everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program we produce throughout the academic year in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. In this 26th edition of season number six, we're going to focus on the fine arts at Monmouth College. In the first segment of this podcast, we'll meet with two of the seniors who have works in this year's Senior Art Exhibition. Then in the second half, music professor Tim Pale will preview what promises to be a fantastic April 30th musical event over in Galesburg. If you happen to find yourself in West Central Illinois between now and May 4th, be sure to head over to Monmouth Hughes Library. Up on the second floor of the Hughes Library is the Lynn G. Everett Gallery, and that's where you can catch a great art exhibition by three very talented and gifted Monmouth Art Seniors. This year's Senior Art Show is dubbed OMG. It features work by Natalie Takahashi, Mark Thigpen, and Julia Smith. The trio will give a special presentation about their work at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, April 22nd, and a reception will be held for them from 1 to 3 in the afternoon on Saturday, April 23rd. The art exhibition consists of several dozen pieces of work, each artist displaying something distinctly different from the other. Natalie Takahashi is from Lyle, Illinois, up near Chicago. As she explains, her works were inspired by women's fashion ads from the 1930s through the 1970s. Her part of the exhibition includes a display of women's clothing items in the foreground, and then on the wall are five striking giant original print ads that she created with original photography and models she used from the Monmouth College student body. Uh, It's more of a collection, um, but for each one, it's a series going from the 1930s through the 1970s um, with a few 21st century fashion advertisements um, that I've done for another class thrown in. So no, no specific names, but it's just more of 1930s catalog page, 1940s catalog page, so on and so forth. Yeah, so they're all in order. So it literally goes the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. Um, But obviously, photography is what got me into this kind of project. So um, all the photos are photos that I've taken myself. And then um, and I go into Photoshop or Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, and I create these pages. As Natalie explains, her work that's featured in the exhibition has its origins with her work at the Warren County History Museum and its director, Alana Newman. um, project I actually did with the Warren County History Museum. These works are up at the museum over there as well. So um, I did this with Alana Newman. So she, her, her theme, and it's mine as well, is fashion through the decades. And she wanted to take modern modern day people and models and recreate advertisements that you would see um, if, in those decades. So these are all based off inspiration. Um, and I actually have worked on these pieces 
my entire senior year. So ever since September, I've been working on this um, to help her. And then it's just been a really fun project to do myself as well. Natalie says that while her works were inspired by the print fashion ads from the 1930s through the 1970s, the end result is a reflection of her originality. Try to get the same style. Um, Alana... Uh, the director, she kind of guided me as to what she wanted. I was kind of following her instructions, but it was really cool. We met once a week, and um, specifically for the 1950s, she was like, she really liked the Sinswo page, but she was like, I don't know what to put um, in some of these sections or kind of get it this kind of vibe. And I was like, well, let me throw something together. And I threw some gradients in the back, um, added another close-up portrait of Gabby for a third for a third shot. Um, so they're all, they're all very similar, but I kind of put my own personal touches um, into each one, which I think is a really cool thing. In a sense, Natalie's works are a tribute to a bygone era when fashion was shaped almost exclusively by print advertisements. Of course, today, social media has an equal, if not greater, role in shaping young people's fashion taste. But I think our generation is heavily influenced by brands and clothing, and I and I personally love fashion. I, I love looking at it and looking at photos, so that's why I loved this project. I got to style all of them, so all the dresses on the clothing rack are the dresses they're wearing um, in those catalog pages. So I would say more social media, but I think that's what made this project more fun in my opinion is because you don't see them printed big like this or you don't see magazines and that was my goal with the smaller ones on the pedestals to look like magazines you're in like a like a department store or something like that so I wanted it to look kind of old-timey they were lending me all this stuff so I tried to get as much as I could that were actually used in the catalog pages but obviously I wanted my my section of the gallery to feel like a department store like you're shopping and um, this whole thing and so I tried to take other relics or other props um, that were from the same decades that you would also see. So maybe they're not in the ads, but during that time you would also see those things. So it's a big, big collage kind of, all these different decades clashing. Mark Figpin is an art senior from Chicago. He says that his works were inspired by anime media. It is a digital print of my digital design. I plan on in the future become an anime artist, uh, a graphic designer. So I kind of use a way to be able to make it 3D as a digital art since mostly digital art is mostly on computer screen and phone screens such as so forth and it's mostly a series of a story of a character that has gone through mostly a dream that cannot be realistic and I have recently have the have those like intentions because I want to at least show a story of like a character because the character has like this has this one way of showing I have this character as showing a way of me being in the journey of what I am now because as a kid I wasn't really at the greatest times storyline. So I always want to make art that's mostly a storyline. And from from my perspective of storylines, it's kind of like I have told my story on this on this series of pieces and it also gives me an idea every single time when I go through life. I kind of use art as my escape. And the original character of Mark who's depicted in the show, is set in two very different scenes. Um, the left side is mostly a journey of a character that goes through like depression and mostly all the stuff that goes through in the world with a lot of 
stress is because I know a lot of people stress about the end of the world and all the all on on so and so forth and also betrayal. And I wanted to have the other side as being a dream world, as his as his character living both worlds in the same time. He's go through darker, he go through deeper and deeper into this dark side, and then now he's dreaming all this during the night, but he's still reliving it as like this this little crazy world that happens because I know a lot of people dream about things that are bright and bright and um bright and some somewhat of a warming feeling to everything and around the area but as you live through as you live on through the world later on you kind of start to go deeper into like a darker time in most of the pictures and Mark's work his original character who is nameless at this point is seen wearing a familiar item from the last two years a face mask. Pretty much every day from, I think it was two years ago when we started the pandemic itself, everything started to fall apart really with mental health and mostly it comes from everybody. It doesn't just come from me. A lot of people went through mental health from from just starting off just not going anywhere, everything closing down and your opportunities for sports and whatnot have drifted away from you. Julia Smith was unavailable for an interview for this podcast, but combined with the works by the other two students, it makes for a great show. And art professor Stacy Lotes, who worked closely with the three seniors, says the senior art exhibition is always one of the highlights of her school year for numerous reasons. Every year we get nervous about the seniors putting up their senior exhibition because, of course, we want them to have their best work. And um, getting to this point isn't always easy. Sometimes they struggle a little bit. Um, they don't make the best work, but by the time the senior year rolls around, you know, it always comes together. And I think for all of the worrying that we do, or at least I do anyway, as a faculty member with the students, um, they never disappoint. And I think what's always fun about the senior exhibition is that the work from each of the artists is always so different. Um, and yet, it always works together. You know, you get it into this space and they talk about who's gonna set up where and and how it's all gonna kind of go together. And, and you know, they do it and it sings. It really sings, every year it sings. And so, um, you know, I'm always really, really proud of the work that our students do because they work hard for it and and it shows. That's our professor Stacy Lotes. She worked with art seniors Natalie Takahashi, Mark Figpen, and Julia Smith on their senior exhibition, OMG. You can see it now through May 4th in the Everett Gallery in the Hughes Library. For more information about their talk and reception or about the show itself, go to the calendar in the news and events section of the Monmouth College website. And that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash news. You're listening to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. We just heard from art professor Stacy Lotes. She talked about how the college's art seniors are making things sing in their senior exhibition currently on display in the Everett Gallery. On April 30th, you can hear some great singing at Central Congregational Church on the public square in Galesburg. 
At 7.30 that evening is when the Monmouth Chorale, the Monmouth Concert Choir, and the Galesburg Community Chorus will combine with members of the Knox Galesburg Symphony to perform Faure's Requiem and Leonard Bernstein's Chichester Psalms. Joining us to give a preview of what promises to be a great musical event on April 30th is Monmouth music professor Tim Pale. Combining with the Galesburg Community Chorus, that, which I also direct, and the chorale, which I direct, and the concert choir which uh, at the college, which Tom Clark directs. So we'll have over 100 singers coming together. And we are doing two pieces in Galesburg with, for choir and orchestra. And the two pieces are Gabriel Foray's Requiem and a piece by Leonard Bernstein called the Chichester Psalms. So both choir and orchestra, both are great classics of the choral orchestral uh, repertoire, really different from each other. Leonard Bernstein, of course, West Side Story um, composer, so really big jazz influence, 20th century harmonies, some kind of dissonant, rhythmic, um, jazz-tinged music. And then Foray is much more kind of calm and beautiful and rich orchestration and like just big, uh, big contrast between the two, but both are so beautiful, gorgeous uh, music that's going to be great to, great to perform. And Tim says that the Central Congregational Church is a great place to hear a concert. It's also a challenging place for a conductor. Yeah, so not only is the church uh, beautiful, it's a gorgeous space. It's one of the bigger churches in town. It seats uh, between seven and seven and 800 people. And the acoustics are phenomenal. So it's one of the, for choirs, it's one of the best acoustical spaces in the area. Um, especially if you get, if you are about at least 10 rows back from the choir. There's this great like halo around the sound of a reverb and you know it just is a beautiful beautiful place to sing. Although actually that makes for challenges in terms of putting together um, an orchestra which the orchestra is right in front of me and then the singers are behind them so the back row of singers can be you know like 50 feet away from me singing in this reverberant space um, they can the, the sound that they're responding to um, is if they just listen to the sound we cannot be it's easier for us to fall to not be exactly together right so it's one of the challenges of of putting a, a, an instrumental and choral group together uh, a bigger group in that small in that like reverberant space and we, people have to just like watch the watch the stick like mad, and so that's one of the big challenges that we'll be facing in the two rehearsals we'll have there. Tim says that he selected these two pieces for the April 30th show, which gets underway at 7:30 in the evening, for a couple of reasons. So the Foray Requiem is really beautiful. It's been one of my favorite pieces of choral music forever, um, and it's a really popular work for a lot of reasons. Um, it's a Requiem Mass, so it's a Mass for the Dead. Um, many composers have, have set that text because it's you know, a great text and great themes of life and death and mortality and loss. And, um, and some composers have um, 
set the in focus on the sort of fire and brimstone and fear and judgment day aspects of that text and written really dramatic music and foray focused more on the sort of calm soothing um, spiritual side of that so all of the music is there are a few moments of of drama and darkness but a lot of it is this this kind of calm beautiful spiritual just gorgeous melody after gorgeous melody um, sound that is you know it's just beautiful music. And then the burn sign is just, it's, you know, again, so different and fun and, and rhythmic and jazzy and actually quite hard. So um, it was commissioned by uh, Chichester Cathedral in, um, for a choral festival back in the 60s. Um, actually premiered in New York City before it was premiered in, in England. Uh, so that was the occasion of it having been written. Um, it's psalm texts, biblical psalm texts, but in Hebrew. So we're singing, and that's one of the challenges of the of learning this music. It's fast, rhythmic, dissonant, um, high, plus in Hebrew. So um, there's the language uh, drilling as well. I mean, just like you know, just learning to pronounce the words sometimes in a real, really, really fast rhythmic patterns. Um, but yeah, so it's a mix of sometimes beautiful lyrical melodies and sometimes the kind of uh, fast, dissonant, dance-like. That's Tim Pale. He's a Monmouth music professor, and he will be the maestro for the April 30th concert at Central Congregational Church in Galesburg. At 7.30 in the evening, that concert on April 30th will feature the Monmouth Chorale, the Monmouth Concert Choir, the Galesburg Community Chorus, and members of the Knox Galesburg Symphony. They will perform Foray's Requiem and Leonard Bernstein's Chichester Psalms. For more information about that April 30th concert, go to the calendar in the News and Events section of the Monmouth College website. To get there, direct your URL to monmouthcollege.edu slash news. And that's going to be a 30 for this 26th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2021-2022 school year. You can tell us what you think about this podcast by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy. Stay healthy.